Okay, so today on the podcast, we have Joyce Fields, and Joyce is going to tell me and everyone listening a little bit about herself, and then we'll get into some really interesting conversations about some of the books that she's written. Welcome, Joyce. Thank you very much, James. I'm glad to be here. Can you tell those listening a little bit about yourself? Well, let me see. I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan in 1944. So I'm 77 years old. Uh, I didn't write my first book until 1997. Uh, I'm the author of 10 books in nine different genres. I had no clue that I was going to write 10 books uh, and I did not, I, I was born in 1944. I didn't write my first book till 1997. So uh, I'm the oldest of seven. That book is entitled Line of Serenity, the first one that I wrote. That one came about uh, as a result of being the oldest of seven. And I wanted to write about how my parents, how our parents raised us. So that is why that book came about. Uh, it's 167 pages and it includes photographs of our ancestors and uh, recipes. Food is very important uh, in our family, always has been, it probably always will be. Uh, and so I have recipes in there. And I wanted to tell the, the generations to come how our parents raised us because we, we adore each other to this day. Uh, our oldest brother died in 2013. He had lung cancer, but we still communicate on a, almost a weekly basis. Uh, and so that's why I wrote the first book. And then I didn't write another book until uh, 19, I mean, 2003. That one was called Mother's Dozen. And then um, it was, it's called Mother's Dozen, an easy recipe for raising great kids. It's a subtitle, an easy recipe for raising great kids. And that one tells you how to raise kids. I'll, I'll talk about that one shortly. That's one of the ones that I wanted to tell your uh, audience about. And then the next one I wrote in 2008, that one is called The Best Way to Keep a Man is to Let Him Go, among other things. Um, my husband and I have been together for 63 years since we were 13 years old, he's 70, he'll be 78 next, next month, I'm wow. um, 77. And uh, we have been married for, we've been together 64 years, we've been married for 54 years. So I consider myself a relationship expert. Mm. And that is another one of the books that I want to uh, highlight uh, today in, in your podcast. Uh, that one that is- I think that that's one that people will really relate with because it's uh, when we talk about relationships, it's like we, we can talk about relationship to, uh, to other people, but then also how we relate to all things. And I would imagine that it, when you talk about how you're relating to your children and raising good children, great mm -hmm. children, and how you relate to your partner, your life partner. I'm sure that there are some values in those relationships that people can apply at their work with their friends. Yes. So I think it's really, uh, there's potentially a lot 
of valuable information there. And I don't even, I don't know the story about you and your husband, how you met and the story, but I can tell that I'm going to love it already. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit, you said you met when you were 13. What, yes. How did you meet? Um, it's really kind of a weird thing. So my brother met him first. My brother that passed away uh, in 2013 was his best friend. Uh, so he met him first. Uh, my husband left his tie and socks on the playground and my brother found them and took them home. And uh, then my mother called me. I was visiting one of my relatives to find out if I knew where my brother put his socks and his tie. <laughs> and I did know. So that's how he got the socks and the tie. And it was around uh, Easter. So he had the, the socks and the tie on the, left them on the playground. And so and we started to just hanging out and he would take me to the show and we'd be on the playground playing around. And I don't know if you know any 13 year old girls, James, who know who they're going to marry at 13. No, I can't say I, I do. <laughs> I, <did. laughs> I was guided to him. I can't explain it any other way. It's like I was guided to him. Um, and so he would take me, you know, to the playground, take me to the show, that kind of stuff. We were just kids, you know. <laughs> uh, and then we would, uh, during, you know about doo-wop music? Yes. Well, we were born and raised in the days of doo-wop because then we would have, in the summertime, we, would, we called them the big boys. The big boys would be under the street light and all the kids in the neighborhood would be standing around and listening to doo-wop and they could do it too. So, and that's what, those are the kinds of things that we would do. And uh, so 13 to 23, we got married at 23 years old. And wow. so you've been together, you said 63 years? 63 years. 63 years. Since we were 13. Well, you know, 64 really, because oh, it's 64. Yeah. 64, but it feels like 63. Okay, I'll buy that. <laughs> um, I, I think that, why don't you just go into the book, you know, like, what are, what are some things okay. that you can tell us about the book that, that you've learned in, in this relationship? All right. Uh, one of the things that I say in the first few pages is, take heed, based on my 50 plus years of observation, I would say that 80% of the success of a relationship rests on the shoulders of the woman. This book explains why I say that. Now, the introduction, it's, it's kind of brief though, so I'll, I'll, I'll read fast. Sure. The best way to keep a man is to let him go. My late mother-in-law told me that in 1959 when I was 15 years old. At that time, her son, Frederick, everybody calls him Pap, was my boyfriend. I let him go, and on March 31st, 2008, we celebrated 51 years of being together. Then on June 3rd, 2008, we celebrated our 41st wedding anniversary. While my mother-in-law put it into words, I watched my mother put it into action. She let my father go, and they were happily married for almost 35 years until his death in 1974. Let him go doesn't mean don't care. It means be secure enough within yourself that you don't freak out if he's not with you and you don't know exactly where he is. Let him go means don't try to control where he can go or what time he must leave or return. 
Let him go means don't try to control him, period. Let him go means don't try so hard to change him. After you have paid your dues, you may tread lightly in this area, but be careful. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. In addition to letting him go, I have observed the need for and used other philosophies and behaviors to help keep me and my man in a warm, loving, and peaceful relationship. My thinking was, he may go, but he'll always come home if I make coming home worth it. But what kinds of things can I do to make it worth coming home? Well, then it goes into the book. And the chapters, in, there are 16 chapters in, in the book, um, modify the way you think. That's one of the things that, that females have to do. We've been handed a line of crap about romance and all that stuff. You know, men are not uh, knights in shining armor. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we have to modify the way we think as females. This book helps you to do that. Uh, the next chapter is observe and learn your man. When you get into a relationship, you don't know this person for the most part. Now, sometimes you've grown up together like we did, but uh, it, for the most part, you don't know them. You have to observe and learn your man. Next chapter, be willing and ready to pay your dues. God put the onus on men that they must be willing to die for their women. So I figured that if I were a man, I would not be willing to die for a woman who could not show me that she was definitely in my corner. So this book shows you how to put, show them that the, uh, you're worth dying for and you're in their corner. Next chapter, fantasy versus reality. I touched on that lightly uh, uh, early in the conversation where uh, women have been, or females have been handed a line of crap, you know, so this, we really get soaked up in all this fantasy stuff. So we need to rid ourselves of a lot of that. So this book helps you with that as well. Um, the next chapter is learn how to fight. A lot of couples don't even know how to fight. They argue, they get violent, they get abusive, they get ugly. So this, this book tells you how to fight. Joyce, uh, is yes. it okay if we, we talk a little more about that one in particular? Oh, sure, yes. Uh, yeah. When you say it teaches you how to fight, what do you mean? Okay, that's what I'm saying. Um, there are arguments and then there are heated discussions or debates. In an argument, usually someone is trying to win. Maybe both people are trying to win. In the process of trying to win, words can become dangerous weapons. A person can say mean and ugly things and later be sorry, but it can be too late to be sorry. In a heated discussion, each person is sharing. They're sharing your point of view, your opinion, your thoughts, all of that that you're sharing. Don't even talk about arguing. You're having discussion or a debate or just, you know, just talking. Is that clarified? Yes. I think it's a, it brings up what I would call mindful communication. Being yes, aware of- Yes, it is. Being aware of what, so it might look something like this in my context. Um, as opposed to 
being overtaken by your emotions and saying something that is intentionally trying to hurt the other person. Mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. my, my grandmother taught me, if you harm the person you're with, you're harming yourself. You're not yes. separate from this That's other person. True. Very true. Wise grandma. Yeah. So that's something that I've always took with me is that, but in, not even just in the relationship with my wife, it's you, that can really apply to a relationship with, with anything. If you are, yes. if you're living in a way in which you are trying to damage or harm another person, then you are, you're damaging yourself. One of my, mm -hmm. One of my clients said this to me yesterday or maybe the day before it was a quote by confucius if you are if you're out if you're out for revenge or i think the quote is if you're out for revenge dig you better for two, dig, dig two graves yeah you better uh -huh. dig two graves yeah i've heard that before <laughs> yeah and also there's another one uh, acid also corrodes the vessel that carries it right it's so um but, it, but you, I, I could feel it in practice in my own life. If I hold on to anger towards another person, I, I think it was the Buddha who said, uh, if you hold a hot coal to throw it at someone else, you're only burning your own hand. Mm -hmm. This same mm -hmm. thing. And, and in the relationship with our partner, this is our counterpart. So mm -hmm. I think that the volume is turned up. The heat is turned up. If, we're, if we have venomous feelings towards our partner, then we're holding on to that. If we're living in the same home as them, if we're sleeping in the same bed as them, then that 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 emotion is following us everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. It is. But most people don't think like that. That's that's why I had to write the book. <laughs> okay. Now this one, the next chapter is remember that you have faults too. Um, I have never heard. I, I did hear one woman uh, day before yesterday say, my man has to put up with my folks too. First time in my whole life that I ever heard a female say that. You think that women don't have faults. So uh, uh, here's a, when women get together, if the discussion turns to male-female relationship, relationships and men's behavior and faults, and it almost always does, I have never heard a, a woman make any comp, any statement relative, relative to the fact that her man has to put up with her faults. <laughs> From listening to women, you think that females don't have faults. In the beauty shop, that's all you hear. <laughs> Talk, women talking about their men, talking dirty about their men. Uh, next chapter, nothing is too precious for him. Sometimes females get married and they want to set up their house in such a way as to have one room that's off limits to the king of the, of the home. So don't do that. You know, don't, don't have any room in his castle where he can't go. Uh, think before you speak. That's a self-explanatory. Always be a lady. Next chapter, if he has children, accept and treat them as your own. You'd be surprised that some, in some cases, his kids by another woman will treat you better than the, one that, the ones that you had. I've seen that happen in life. So treat them, if he has children, treat them like you treat your own kids. Next chapter, don't take man advice from a woman who has no man. Blows my mind how females listen to other females who don't have a good relationship or no relationship at all 
and they'll listen to them. I think that uh, it was in the, the, the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, the, the quote is something like, don't take investment or something like don't don't get your house built by the jeweler and don't take investment advice from from the bricklayer or something like that yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> it just it just blows my mind uh next chapter look good 99 percent of the time i like looking like eye candy i like eye candy i look at other women the way that they are dressed the way they put things together you get ideas from that but don't walk around the house looking like a slob. Look sexy. Look presentable. I like looking sexy personally. I don't like looking like a duck. Don't use sex as a weapon. That's a really important one. So as soon as they uh, they get mad, a woman gets mad at her husband or her man or her boyfriend, she cuts them off from sex, you know, so you know, you ain't getting none tonight. Those kinds of things. I just don't understand that kind of uh, uh, thinking. So don't use sex as a weapon. Talk to a urologist. What do you mean by that? They talk to, to a urologist. Talk to a urologist. You got to find out and learn the workings of the male body. Oh, okay. Exactly. You, you got that now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't really go into that kind of thing, you know, so I'm not explicit. I'm 77, so I don't go into That's that fine. explicitity. Uh, but just don't use sex as a weapon. Use it as a reward. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't depend on your man to make you happy. That's a big mistake that women make. They think that when they say I do, it's going to be magic. Just tingle. Then it'll be happy ever after. That's not the case. Don't depend on your man to make you happy. If you're not happy, he's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to make you happy. Pray and laugh together. That's important. Pray and laugh together. So it has been said that laughter is the best medicine. When we laugh, our bodies are filled with delight. If you and your man share many moments of laughing with each other, your relationship will be more fun. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. That's the last chapter. Uh, in many cases, men grew up in homes with mothers who were excellent cooks. Now, that's what they like, excellent cooks. Learn how to cook. And a lot of these girls nowadays take pride in not knowing how to cook, don't want to learn how to cook. Take me out to a restaurant. You don't even know what you're eating in the restaurants. Learn how to cook. Then uh, I do give recipes. So there's 22 recipes in here. I start with desserts. <laughs> Apple pie, banana pudding, and Yeti's pound cake, which has been in the family for over 50 years. Lemon cream pie, pineapple or cherry cream cheese pie, spaghetti meat sauce, lasagna, chili, macaroni and cheese. I've given my macaroni and cheese recipe to lots of people. Uh, mashed potatoes, pepper steak, skillet chicken and rice. That's the recipe that I made up. It's really good. It's just chicken, rice, onions, and chicken broth. Tuna salad, oven fried chicken, beef stew, top of the stove chuck roast. 
I put my chuck rolls on top of the stove. I don't put it in the oven. I think the oven dries it out. Meatloaf, chicken and dressing, dried beans or peas with smoked turkey, greens or cabbage with smoked turkey, and the last recipe is sauteed cabbage. 64 pages, which includes 22 pages of recipes. Telling you to showing you showing ladies how to show a man that they are worth dying for. Got any questions? Yeah, I have, I have a <laughs> bunch of questions. I okay. wonder how. Um, well, you said a woman must be open to admitting her flaws. What do you see as your flaws in the relationship? Well, you know, it's really hard for anybody to see their own flaws. You have to ask others to tell you what, what, what they see as your flaws. Now, what I see as one of mine is I'm very stubborn. Once I make up my mind, it's very hard to change my mind. But you can do that by talking and all of that. But once, you know, just about anybody is like that. Once they make up their mind, it's very hard to change it. But uh, you have to be open to whatever uh, your mate or whoever you ask, whatever they will say, uh, you have to be open to that. They have to identify your faults for the most part. I guess it goes really back to like, I guess it goes back to the learning how to fight. If somebody is communicating to you what they are having a problem with, it's being open to that, open to that feedback. Yes. You know what yes. I, I use in my life is if my wife is telling me something about me, I will I will listen. But when I start hearing that feedback in multiple places, let's say I'm stressed in my life. There's a lot going mm-hmm. on. When I get mm-hmm. stressed, my behavior starts to change. My temper is shorter. I, I start to react more. If my wife would tell me or really just any single person tells me mm-hmm. you've been stressed, you've been reactive. I don't believe it as much than than if I hear it from multiple sources. Mm-hmm. I think the sample size can be too small to just hear it from one person. Although there, yeah. I do value my wife's opinion more than just you know somebody that I'm not married to. But mm-hmm. um, when I when I get feedback from the environment in that way, I think it's kind of like what you're saying. You you have to hear your flaws from other people because we're blind to them. We we are yes. we have blind spots to our own yes. flaws. We do. And not only that, but I'll often ask my siblings, my, my even my son, I'll ask, uh, do I do anything that really upsets you or bothers you? And I ask. And if, and then if a person says that to me, says something that I do or say causes them stress or whatever, then I examine myself. I examine, you know, what they're saying. So there's no, no, no harm in examining yourself. So how think, you improve. I think it's like this age old wisdom that um, you can't have a relationship with another person or I would extend that out to you can't have a, a healthy relationship to anything if you don't first have a healthy relationship to yourself. Amen. <laughs> Starts with you. That's right. Well, so and then that, what does that look like in practice? How do you build, how do you Joyce build your relationship with yourself for the sake of your relationship with your husband, your kids, etc.? Um, to answer that one, 
I, I would suggest you get the book, Line of Serenity. It really tells you how my parents raised all seven of us. It goes back to the way that you are raised. That is why I wrote Mother's Dozen, An Easy Recipe for Raising Great Kids. It goes to the way you were raised. Some of us, all of us are damaged to some extent or another on a scale of one to 10. Some are damaged on a, at a level of one or two or three. Some are damaged on a level of nine or 10. Some of them would say it's on a 12, they're off the scale, okay? So all of us are damaged to some extent because of the way that we were raised. You know, it, it, you can only teach what you know. And so a lot of parents don't know. And that is why I wrote uh, Mother's Dozen. And if you want children to be, uh, here, let me, uh, the, the forward is uh, written by a minister. Mother's Dozen is a handbook of excellence in raising children. It systematizes the rules passed from generation to generation regarding preparing children for the world to come. It involves tough love. It encompasses touchy-feely. It establishes fences that keep the wolf out and the sheep safe. It is common sense, the most uncommon thing in the world, particularly in this present age of negative imaging and self-raised rugrats. The quest is not for something new, but for something substantial. It is here. Every line brings an aha experience. The head nods yes, the will prods action. Well done, well done. Reverend Cecil L. Chip Murray, First AME Church, Los Angeles, retired. Now he says that I this book systematizes the rules passed from generation to generation. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but I thought that's what I, that's what I was hoping that it would be systemizing, uh, systematizing uh, what, would, what would happen. Now, I was born in a time, 1944, when raising children seemed to be the most important responsibility females had. Their homes were run with rules, order, and organization. They had strong, sound philosophies that taught children to love, honor, and respect themselves, thereby teaching children to love, honor, and respect others. They were on a mission to teach their children to stand proudly on their own two feet. Virtually all of them were excellent teachers. I watched, I listened, and I learned. And so that's, now this book, it's uh, 48 pages. Start from infancy. These are the ingredients. Now, you, your child will be mannerable. Uh, they'll have a love for learning. They will be responsible. They will admire or uh, uh, respect rules, order, and organization. They will be independent. They will have spirituality, the, a higher power, belief in a higher power. They will be affectionate. They will have discipline and self-control. Feed the interests of the child. They will be obedient and they will be patient. All of these things, these, this book will guide you into raising children that have these qualities. As mothers does, do you have 12 kids? No, it's 12 ingredients. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I'm glad you said that. And that's, those are the 12 ingredients that I just read. Okay. How many kids do you have? I have two. Two sons, uh, eight grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. 
Wow. So, yes. um, in, in, in what about currently in this in this today right now as you and I speak, uh, the what would be your answer to that when you say my parents raised me to be to have a relationship with myself. This was in response to my question, how do you, Joyce, build your relationship with yourself? You said, well, my parents taught me and you started to read the book, but what is what do you feel in your heart is, are, are the things that you have done? Oh, so you're saying that you learn from your parents, but how do you continue that in your adulthood? How do you continue that building that relationship with yourself? My whole thing is the golden rule, James. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is the way I live my life. I do not treat people any way that I would not want them to treat me. That's the basis of my whole, the, the whole foundation of my life. And if everybody would do that, <laughs> there would be very little racism, uh, homophobia, uh, misogyny, all of these ugly things. The golden rule. What do you think makes it so, like what you're talking about is being kind to other people. Instead, yes. What do you think makes it so hard for people to just be kind? What, what, is the, what is the hang up there? It seems so simple. Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with TV and the movies, the images that we see. Now, when I was coming up, uh, we didn't see so much violence and we never saw anybody get killed. Uh, they got shot, you know, we, we were raised on uh, Westerns. Talk about shoot em ups. People shooting all over the place, but nobody ever got killed. Uh, sometimes they did get killed, you know, bad guys, but for the most part, they didn't get killed. And we never saw brutality. We never saw raunchy sex. We never saw those kinds of ugly things. It's the images that we are seeing. Now we're talking about, we're complaining as a society about these teenagers who are violent, brutal, uh, so much sex in, involved in all that. Look at the screens, look at the images that they're seeing. We're actually teaching it to them. And then we talk, that's just, that's just crazy. We're teaching it. But like, what would you say about somebody who's exposed, let's say your children, you said they're patient, obedient, all of these wonderful things. It, mm -hmm. are, you, are they not, were they not exposed to the same media? Not so much these days, but now um, when my grandkids are 11 and nine, he'll be nine, uh, but they are on their devices a lot, but they go outside a lot. Uh, my son, he's got them reading books. He's homeschooling and all of that. So, but his children are kind. And the, you teach it by being kind to the child. That's how you teach it. You teach manners by being mannerable to the child. I think it goes back to the, you know, if you're burning something with acid, what is holding the acid will burn as well. Exactly. What we were pointing to before, if you, it's also with your child, if you are, um, 
showing that also the child will model your behavior so yes they'll, they'll learn from watching you i That's see with exactly my daughter right. my, my daughter's one year old actually she's going to be one year old in two weeks and if i wave to her she waves to me if I say dada, she says dada. So that's a very, like, that's a early on a, an image of her just mm -hmm. modeling what mm -hmm. she sees. Exactly. So exactly. If, you, if you're born to a kind parent, then you will learn to be kind. So how, what was my question? My question was, what, I guess it's, um, What about what? What is it that makes a parent not be kind to their own child? Like, it goes back to the way they were raised. So intergenerational complex. Exactly. 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 It, it it all depends on how we are raised as to what our personalities, our dispositions, our way of looking at life. It all depends on how we were raised. And uh, you already know that worry is a learned behavior. We didn't learn how to worry. The seven of us, we don't worry about anything. We just take, take it like it comes. If we can do something about it, we do. But it, it, you have to realize that you are not in control. You're not even in control of whether or not you're gonna take your next breath. So be good to everybody. I think it reminds me of when you say in order to keep a man, you have to let him go. I think that you, it, the same applies there. You said, do not try to control him and it will be, it will end up building a bridge. You're mm -hmm. saying here, don't worry about things. Don't try to control anything because exactly. then your relationship to all these things in letting go of it, you build a stronger bond. Do the best you can and then let it go. You can't do anything other than the best you can. Why worry? you did the best you could yes it sounds very simple and it is really that simple yeah but anytime you had a problem with somebody it generally goes back to the way they were raised they the, the, what they saw modeled mm -hmm. you know so it, it it's very simple to me but i wanted to pass it on to others so that hopefully they can learn. That's why I wrote these books. It's kind of any like, questions, James? Yeah, well, I'm more of just a comment. Like it's uh -huh. like the messages that you're, th there's sort of a lineage of your books. They build on each other. The one being um, when you said uh, seven, when you're writing the book about how you were a child, uh, you had six siblings and mm -hmm. what you learned in there and then mm -hmm. you take what you learned in there and you apply it to your marriage and then you take what you have built in your marriage from those values that you learned from your parents and you transfer them to your children who have transferred to their children so your your body of work is actually a document of all these things culminated wow my husband just said that was same almost the same words to me uh, a couple of days ago, he was talking about there's a thread going through all the books. I think that it's just the, the way that I was raised is just coming through in all of the books that I've written. That's what I think. Well, you agree? Well, it sounds like the what really the, the, the scope of all of the books is living with 
values and and applying those values in your to with your children applying those values with your partner applying those values with yourself it is it's really about when it comes down to it i mean that's why i think it, it makes sense on the podcast because it's living with awareness and mindfulness uh -huh. of uh -huh. your of your living with values and it's but you see well like i i've been talking a lot lately about if we learn to relate with ourselves i i've been saying a lot to my clients and anybody listening on the podcast that all roads point back to the relationship with the self it yes. is it's something you hear all the time but it, yes. it's, it's it's continuing to unveil itself as i learn more and more about relating to friends family work ch children wife it's um all roads point back to are you kind to yourself are you able to be kind are you able to apply that same kindness yes. to yourself yes i'm my own best friend that's where it starts you have to be your own best friend but unfortunately people are raised in homes where they don't see that modeled they don't receive compliments they all they receive is criticism and it takes a toll on a person as they grow up and go through their lives. So it just, children learn what they live. That's a poem that was written by, I can't remember her name, but it, they learn what they live. If they live with compliments, they learn confidence. If they live with criticism, they learn self-doubt. Yeah, all those kinds of things. We have to be mindful of the way that we raise our children. And it's for the sake of the way that they're going to relate to their friends at school. If the, mm -hmm. if the child knows to be kind to themselves and another person, then that child, maybe another child on the playground who's not getting kindness at home can receive exactly. kindness from exactly. your, grand, your grandkid. Yes, so it's another way of spreading this. Like when you say, I, you know, I, I wanted to teach other people with these books. It's, it's a way for you to spread the message beyond just your children and your grandchildren. It's a way for you to spread the values of your family, which have served you tremendously to large groups of people. That's what my goal is. You really got it, uh, James. That's what my goal is. Now I want to tell you about the other books that, uh, so we're talking about the books. So, um, tell oh, let me, me about you know what? As you're as you're saying it, I think I'm going to pull them up on my screen so people, if they want to buy your books, read your books, I'll show them where they can find it. But let me just uh, share okay. my screen on the. Okay. Good deal. Really loud Good deal. Okay, sharing screen. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see um, Joyce. If you want to say. Actually, okay. I, I got it right here. Goodshortbooks.com. That's correct. And then when you go to the, the website, you click on the top there, books, and then you will see this. Which one do you uh -huh. want me to start with, Joyce? Okay, go all the way up to the top and we'll go. Okay, that's Line of Serenity. That's a memoir. It goes from 1944 to 1977. It's all about the way we were raised. Um, it's 167 pages. Uh, the next book over here is my is Mother's Dozen. Uh, this book, the My Fifteen Dogs. My sister wrote that one, so we'll just go over to Mother's Dozen. I wrote Mother's Dozen. We talked about that one. Right. Uh, 
then Mother's Dozen is available in Spanish, Madre Dulcina. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, then the best way to keep a man is to let him go. We talked about that one. The Vision is next. I wrote The Vision in 2009. Uh, it's all about uh, children's education. It starts out with two slaves and their young kids that, and the little boy has been beaten because he wanted to learn how to read. That actually happened in the black community. We were beaten because we wanted to learn how to read. And so he uh, learns how to read and he is very happy. And so you, it goes on and tells the story. You really gotta read this one. It's, it's really good for children. Uh, it has a contract in it for home and for school. Children uh, can sign the contract and get witnesses and all of that. Then uh, we can go down to scroll here. Jet Black and her seven friends. That's a fairy tale. There were no fairy tales about little black girls when I was growing up. And that's 28 pages. It's a fairy tale, hand illustrated in color uh, by Alice Malloy Chang. Uh, she was one of my co-workers and she told me after I had finished the manuscript, she said she had always wanted to illustrate a children's book. So what you see here is her, her handiwork. And she uh, made Jet Black, that's the little girl in the picture. She made her come to life for, for that book. That's beautiful. Then, oh, I loved it. I, it, it just warms my heart it's when I see Jet Black. And she made her come to life. Uh, Dear Bully, a collection of poems about bullying. I wrote that one, uh, it's um, in 2011, it's 50 pages and it's all a result of kids committing suicide because of bullying. And I wrote that one. I wanted to just really uh, emphasize all the cyber bullying and all of that. One of the poems is, there. all the poems start out with Dear Bully. Dear Bully, sending mean stuff on your computer or texting it on your phone is no way to deal with anyone. It's better to leave them alone. Cyberbullying is just as bad as doing it face to face. It's nothing to be proud of. It's really a total disgrace. Instead of sending mean stuff, start a cyber friendship chain. Include the kids you bullied and then you all will gain a better way of living, more smiles in all your days using your computers and your phones in smart and friendly ways. That's one of the poems. Thank you and for sharing. And then you have my simple quotes to live by. Mm -hmm. And it's 167 quotes that I coined. Um, one of the quotes in this book was chosen out of over 5,000 entries for a 2013 calendar. And that quote states, it's better to die chasing a dream never caught than to die never having chased the dream. So I don't want people to have dreams that, uh, and, and allow others to squash them. And I put this on social media on a regular basis to encourage people to chase their dreams. We all have been given gifts, talents, dreams, chase them. Then I wrote, in 2014, I wrote A Breast Cancer Journey to Greater Joy. I'm a 10, it'll be 10 years since I had breast cancer surgery, August 15th, it'll be 10 years. And it'll be uh, 
10 years, November 11th, 11, 11, 11 at 11 a.m. was my last radiation treatment. 11, wow. 11, 11 at 11 a.m. Wow. My last radiation. Uh, and I wrote this one. The, there's a subtitle to it, too. A Breast Cancer Journey to Greater Joy. Taking the mystery, the fear and mystery out of a breast cancer diagnosis. I didn't want women to be scared, you know. So I wasn't scared. I just wanted it to be taken out. I had stage two. So I was never so happy to go under the knife in my life. Felt like I'd been invaded by an alien. Uh, and then the last book that I wrote is entitled The Limitless Golden Rule. We talked about that one. 21 ways to use the golden rule in your life. And I outlined 21 ways to use the golden rule. But back to the images that we're seeing. Images are bad for children. What they are seeing is horrible for them. We're doing a disservice to our kids. I, every one of those books has a, a very powerful message behind it. I think the people listening would benefit to take a look, go to the website, tech, check out the books. Uh, we're we're going to have to be done in a few minutes here, Joyce, but I just wanted to let, give you a second here to reflect on what do you, what do you take from this, from he, talking here with me? Oh, I get a, a, a lot out of all the podcasts that I do. I do quite a few podcasts. And so uh, you're the, uh, I think you're the first therapist that I've, I've actually talked with. So that's good. And I, I'm hoping that uh, what I have said has impressed you as a therapist. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're like you, you said, your husband pointed out that there's a thread through all of these things. Mm -hmm. It's it's very clear that you are, what you're doing is you're hovering around these like universal truths of really what a lot of religions and philosophies, what they all point back to is um, if you can be kind, really, mm -hmm. I think it comes down to being kind to you, if you can be kind to yourself. And I can see it in your face when I mention these things that I am in the process of discovering um, that you know them you know them dearly. You know these things. When I say be kind to yourself, the way that it hits you, I can see that you know that because you've lived that. Yeah, that's true. I'm still living it. Right. <laughs> I will be living it forever till the day I close my eyes for the last time. So, uh, but the, I'm just very thankful for my whole extended family is like this, James. My entire, all my cousins, my aunts, uncles, all of, all of my whole family is like this. When okay. people meet my family, they just are amazed. Well, if you, um, the, the next, I'm nowhere near Michigan, but the next family reunion, if you make some of that um, chicken and rice. Yeah. <laughs> well, the recipe's in the book. Get the book and get, and get, and get to cooking. Get, get in the kitchen and, and pouting and get them pans to back banging. Well, Joyce, it was very, very nice to meet you. And I, I hope that people will, uh, take these important messages and read more into your books. I know that I'm going to take a look at the website later today, but I appreciate your time. Oh, thank and you. um, it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Goodshortbooks.com. Goodshortbooks.com. I'm going to stop the recording and then we'll say goodbye. Okay.